Hello and welcome to Franchise Sports Talk Baseball. Uh, we're going to just talk a bit about the start of the season. We've had about, what is it, 25 games-ish? A bit less. Um, so we're just going to give our impressions of how the season's gone so far. Um, what's your first impression, Sam? Um, the Tampa Bay Rays, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that is quite ridiculous. I feel like there's... It feels like it's been a very eventful season already. I don't know if this is all, this is every year, maybe I just forget. But, I mean, like the Pirates won seven in a row. Didn't expect that. Um, the, well, the whole of the AL East is just really good. And, um, I kind of did expect. I mean, Boston being at five hundred is the surprising part. Yeah, that part of that is the schedule thing, isn't it? I think. Yeah, for, I, for a normal I, season, they would have just played all the other good teams so far, probably, and wouldn't be that good. But um, I can't tell if this is an unusual start or if it's just the start of the season always has this like weird stuff does happen because yeah, I, I think that we've done. We've done previous years on this, and I've been basically with like a month in now, and a lot of it is just what of this actually means anything. Like something like if you're twenty and three, that obviously means something because you've got a huge lead over people already, but their wins on the board. Then there's other stuff like the Pirates. You do get teams not usually projected to be as bad as they were, but you do occasionally get like a team that finishes sub five hundred that just starts like playing 700 ball for a month and then they crumble. Um, but it does, it does feel like there's been quite a lot going on. Um, but yeah, I, I can't remember if I'm just being like really um, sort of strange with it because I, I don't know if this happens every year at the start of the season where it seems like every game matters a lot for a while before we get into like the dog days. Yeah, the, the dog days where there are teams that are actually out of it. I mean... I'd say the Royals and the Athletics are already, yeah, they're, they're just bad already. Um, but everyone else, it's felt a bit like, you know, teams are kind of on the edge of it. Even the teams that have had a bad start, it's like, you, maybe. So I, I, yeah, I, I, know you, I think I would add the Rockies and the Nats to the out of it. Yeah. Cause it's partly, basically partly because teams they're, they're, expected to be, they're expected yeah. to be bad and they have been bad. And then um, it's like, okay, we thought they'd suck. They do suck. They're already way behind. Yeah. But but then you have like the White Sox who have almost the same record as the Rockies. But yeah, they're, they're not meant to be that bad. So it's like, they're not quite out of it. But it's one that when you talk about games mattering, it is like they get swept like again. And they're also five and six. Like their, their trajectory is absolutely disgusting. So they've gone two and ten. Oh, yeah, okay, I didn't realise that bit. Um, the thing with them, though, is one, you've got, like, obviously, uh, Lewis Robert. And, like, on paper, this team has a world where it's better than this. And it does like kind of get hot for a bit, and they've still got kind of upside. I mean, Moncada and Anderson being on the IL is not not ideal. Um, I think Anderson's gone for a while, um, and then obviously they've got like Cease and 
there's like a world where that rotation is above average, I suppose. Um, yeah. Also, yeah. Andrew Fawn is not quite on the trajectory of MVP votes as I'd predicted pre-season, but there's time for that to change. There's still time. Matt Chapman's actually one of the stories on that note of hitters just like turning stuff around. Matt Chapman is basically hitting like an actual MVP so far this season. The 1.105 OPS and like ridiculous underlying metrics. Like he's just the end of every single bar. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that actually because he was, obviously when he was at the A's with um, Matt Olsen, he wasn't, well, obviously not quite this level, but they were both like all-star hitters like great defense, and he's sort of didn't he had he's had a few bad years, hasn't he? Like really, like he's been around league. Av- I mean, he was one fifteen yeah, OPS plus one hundred yeah. the year before. But like, yeah, basically, where he was like an averageish hitter, um, but playing third, and he was just like a, a defensive specialist third baseman. It seemed like is what he'd become. Which I mean, how good he is defensively, it's like they're still. Like good players, like still enough to be an everyday player, but in their lineup, especially where they don't need the bat to be like, yeah. But if he's going to be like an actual factor with the bat again, that is scary, isn't it? Because he was this lineup that already looked ridiculous, he was like one of the guys that was like, yeah, maybe he's he's just going to be there, um, and just be like an average hitter, but. Yeah, but he might. I mean, the funny thing is, in his down years, and this is where it varies between who else is in your lineup and how much you stand out. He hit 27 home runs in each of the last two seasons. They were still like, yeah, that's not exciting. This is the other important thing here is this is his walk year. He is potentially going to have like a walk year to end all walk years. Um, And then it just becomes one of these free agency things where it's like, you give him the contract for, for like, do you give him like a Nolan Arenado contract when actually the two years before he's just been like, like you said, a, a glove. Yeah. Um, so, but, but then if you look at his, like his early career, like I'm saying, it's he is. He's if you forget those last two years, as you say, he still hit 27 home runs. He is almost that level of player, isn't he? He's elite defense and like. All-star level bat, but well, earlier in his career he was. Then that's come back. That is suddenly makes um, him a very interesting free agent to follow. Yeah, so that's one of the storylines from the start of the season. I'm kind of interested in. Um, then the other ones. I mean, you touched on. I've got three teams here that I think would be quite fun to talk about. There is. An AL West team, an AL East team, and an NL Central team. Which one would you like to start with? Um, uh, let's do AL East. Is it is it the Rays? No, it's actually not the Rays because I okay. forget everyone's been talking about the Rays anyway. So we're not going to talk like, about the Rays. The Rays have been absolutely amazing at every single part of playing baseball. Let, yeah, let's talk about the Rays briefly. I mean, there's not yeah, you you basically said it. Uh, that whole lineup has got like 900 or over one OPS, and um, yeah, all their starting pitches are just elite, uh, and their bullpen <laughs> going three runs. Um, um, seems like a good formula. 
Um, hit, score loads and loads of runs and don't concede any runs. What's yeah. even funnier is they actually, their three losses came in a four-game span. Yeah, I, I saw that. That's... So, actually, even since then, like it's not like it was just a super hot start. They've won six in a row. Again, yeah. Recording, again. And they've also, they're setting records for um, like home run differential to... Um, it, I can't remember the exact numbers, which kind of spoils this point, but um, I saw something the other day. Like, the, the gap in their home runs like a record through this number of games. And what's even more mental is when a team's this good, like you have in any sport, is the underlying numbers aren't meant to say that they're that good. Yeah, because usually it'll be like, OK, they're, they're good, but they're winning loads of close games or something. But with this, they, they haven't been. Okay, when I say underlying, I mean, this is only the Pythagorean, but their actual, like, other underlying numbers are silly as well. Their Pythagorean win-loss is 19 and 4. So, yeah, basically the same. Because that, that's the sort of thing that will look at, like, clo- like how close you've, your wins have been. And it is basically, yeah, they, they've just been winning games by miles. I mean, they're just blowing absolutely everyone out. Yeah, they have... The it's one thing you could say is if you look at their start, um, so it was Detroit, Washington, and then Oakland were their first well, three series. So that's almost as easy a start as you could possibly get. I was um, just about to make that point. I, also, they then played Boston, who I, I think are probably not as good as their record suggests. And then they played the Reds and then the White Sox. Yeah. And they, they, well, they actually, they actually lost a ser- the series against Toronto, although they won the last one eight one still. Um, and then yeah, and then they're now getting into like some harder games, like they're, they're well, they're, they're in the middle of a series against Houston, so we'll see how the rest of that pans out. So, it's one of those that it is part of it is probably due to the easy start, but even so. You're not meant to go 20-3, and three, though. That's not how baseball is meant to work. No. Like, the other thing with this is, so they've got a couple of series against the Yankees coming up. They are seven games ahead of the Yankees already. Yeah. But that, that is really, really significant, being that far ahead of this stage. I mean, we can do that there's 100, 139 games to play and all that. But, I mean, seven games is still a lot. Yeah. That's, like, quite a meaningful lead. It's why it's like two two series sweeps, basically, isn't it? It's like the Yankees have to sweep the Rays twice. Yeah. To make up for that. To be level with them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah so the, my, the reason I was going to talk about the Orioles was because they are basically now in the shadow of the Rays. They're 4.5 back, but they've gone 15 and 7. And uh, I think we spoke about this on the previous pod. They basically, after. Was it like I think it was June onwards last year? They were just ridiculous. Like they were just a solidly above yeah. five hundred team. Like, I, like I was games. expecting them to be a playoff team. I think pre-season I said maybe the Rays will be the ones to miss out. Yeah, I think I might have done as well. In the East, yeah, that's not the notion about that. But because they they have they were really good and they've basically carried on being really good. I mean, Adley Rutschman is. Well, I guess he's. He's basically Buster Posey, isn't he? I think. But quicker. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a chance that Jorge Mateo is not going to have an OPS over one all year. I'm going to yeah. go out on a limb and say that. Mm, yeah. But nice the rest of the lineup, 
There is like proper talent in that team. Yeah, I mean Austin Hayes has had a big breakout. Like he's he's obviously like not been that good before, but he was also meant to be like a decent prospect, like a like a pretty highly rated prospect that kind of ended up being an average player. So there could be something in that. Plus, when you just have like when you just have this many young players, like you said, with a certain amount of of upside. There's just like occasionally that is going to happen. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, Gunnar Henderson hasn't even like has struggled as well. So, I mean, that's oh, what, like maybe he could come like he might come through later in the year and help them out. Mountcastle was also expected to be better than he's been so far. Santander will be better than that. Um, and actually, like the the rotation hasn't been great. Like Grayson Rodriguez has had. He's striking an enormous number of people out, but these actual results haven't been amazing. Um, and the bullpen, like last year, that was a huge part of their success, wasn't it? And the bullpen is one of the best in the league again. Plus, they've got Kauser, Westberg, Kerstad, and Ortiz all up, like, either later this year or at the start of next. I think Kauser and Westberg, I think they're both already in AAA. And that's like just two, there's just more hitters yeah. on the way, so it's like the lineups the bit where you're like, maybe there's some holes there, but they're also sixth in um, expected weighted on base. Yeah, as a team, and they're in one of these situations. Obviously, they've had this good start, but as we said, it's like it's not. This doesn't seem like you know a fluke, really. It's like not not it's not unsustainable. Maybe this this kind of start. Um, but they're really in a position again that if they make the playoffs, it's it is kind of bonus a bonus, isn't it? Because they've not like signed anyone. This is still all just like homegrown guys that they're currently not paying very much money to. So if they make the playoffs, they're then in an absolutely great position where they've got all of these guys, and then they can you know go out and add some people. A bit like where the Braves were a few years ago, like before they um, they started signing free agents and stuff. Well, this I think is, they, they made yeah, the playoffs yeah. once with like Acuna came up, and they made the playoffs. And yeah, they're now just a great team. Perennially winning 100 games. Like the thing, and I think they. So the Orioles again, and partly because people just like being angry at owners. And often justified, but there were some complaints about them not spending after their like surge last year. And maybe that is they're just not going to spend. And what we've just said is then like, okay, this core has to all fill all the holes on the roster. And then it's a different question. But I think after you have that year, and they've got so many more guys on the way, it's not like all of their young guys are there, they need to plug the holes. I think it's best to leave the holes in the roster, yeah. try out all the young guys. And then if you find, oh, actually, that guy can't quite play at that position or a pitcher, like, his arm goes and you need, a, you need yeah. to bring someone in for a couple of years. I, I think the key is, like, I think as we've said before, like, well, how many years ago it was now, there was the, you had the Braves and the Phillies were both in the same position, like, with young guys coming up, coming out of a rebuild. And they basically, I mean, part of it was the players, like, probably the Braves players panned out quite a lot better. But they also went down a completely different path with it. Whereas I think 
really when you're in this situation, you want to be selective about free agents you're bringing in. So it's like maybe the end of maybe the end of this year you do sign someone, but it's like don't just sign a player because we need to sign a free agent. It's like you get someone if it's like yeah that is a that's somewhere where we could like use someone and they're going to actually add something to the lineup. Basically, you're getting like an all star in a position where you need someone. Go for um, it. But otherwise, don't just get people for the sake of it that you're just going to plug up. Like, well, they, they take up opportunity. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, yeah. I mean, without getting, without relitigating it all again, but like the Hosmer deal is a good example of that because they ended up having to dump him, keep on paying him, and they they ended up deciding to trade away players. But like that now is, like, so say you bring up a hitter and you want to rotate people around, you've gone and got first base taken up, or you end up DHing this guy who paid a load of money. When you're not sure you're ready, you really don't want to be doing any long free agent deals because you could end up, say they've done that this off-season and then they're actually still experimenting with their prospects this year. That that free agent might be like declining by the time you're actually ready to be really good and then he's just like, you've got a problem. You've wasted yeah. a load of money and you're wasting player appearances. Um, so I kind of, for now at least, if they then don't spend like this winter or next winter, and then it's just like they don't want to add any players is a different thing. But I think giving yourself room when you've got so much young talent. Yeah. And stuff's going well. Yeah. It. It's like it's, it's working all right. Um, Although. Whereas you have like, I guess the Tigers also have like a lot of young talent that have come up. But they're still just bad. So it's like, oh, what do we do? We just, just go and sign Javi Baez. But that that doesn't fix it either, though, does it? It's like if it's going well, don't like block it up with the the wrong free agent or almost any free agent too soon. And if it's going wrong, what's the point in getting the free agent? Yeah, it's a strange one. Um, Although speaking of long-term contracts, one team that you've already mentioned. Just handed one out, like literally. Are we, um, are we moving on to? Is this the the NL Central team? Yeah, eight years, one hundred and six point seven five million to Brian Reynolds from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I mean, eight years does seem long, particularly for the, a team like the Pirates. But yeah, I mean, it. He's a twenty-eight-year-old centre fielder. Um, yeah. The, the back end of that deal does scale play, I mean, a little bit. Is he playing? Baseball says he's le- as a list as left field. I don't know if that's where he's been most playing this year. Well, maybe they moved him across. Um, In which case, that's I assume. Yeah, he's played. Stuff. He's played. Yeah, he has been games been left. in left and five in centre. Oh well, I saw this earlier. Actually, I probably should have just tweaked on that because Sawinski, who's having an absolutely massive year, is playing uh, centre. But um, the Pirates, I think, are a really good test of this, like, what is real here? This is so far from what we expected. There's got to be something in it that's legit. This is with O'Neill Cruz as well being out. So, yeah, do you want some numbers that suggest there's some real reality here? Uh, yeah, go on then. Well, the, these the first two aren't numbers, but like you said, no O'Neill Cruz. That's one of the things you would have thought would drive them to be good. Cabrian Hayes is not really hitting either. So that kind of seems a little bit counterintuitive if the Pirates are going to be better than you expected. 
They are seventh in walk rate. They're in the top ten for lowest strikeouts, and they're fifth in team exploiter. Their pitchers are basically matching where their underlying numbers are, so it's not like they're just getting loads of batted ball luck. And Mitch Keller and Contreras are both like top prospect kind of guys, different parts of their career. Um, and so it kind of like it kind of makes sense that there's like there is stuff to suggest that they have actually been this good. It's not just like twenty games of the balls dropping in the outfield, but. Again, to the schedule, they have played the Red Sox, the White Sox, the Rockies, and the Reds. And done a lot of winning against those teams. In fact, they've played the Reds seven times and won five of them. Um, and it's, so it's weird. like the, They have actually been as good as their record suggests, pretty much. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, I would say that schedule is obviously not, they've not played any like the big, the big like powerhouses yet. They've played Although Houston. They've, and oh, they've played Houston and they've got the Dodgers coming next. So that would be a bit of a test. But it's probably the best time to play the Dodgers. But the Dodgers are obviously not to the best start by their standards and they've won seven in a row, the Pirates. So probably a pretty good time to play the Dodgers. And, um, but yeah, that start is not, it's not like super hard or super easy, I would say, really, is it? Um, I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's like, yeah, it, it, it's definitely not been an easy start for them to get off to this, I'd say. I think, I think having seven with the Reds and the series with the Rockies and the White Sox have been obviously bad. It's yeah, and it, I, guess, got... I guess that is the thing. when you look at it as well. Those are the games they've won. They haven't uh, actually beaten a good team in a series. So, yeah, they, they like they swept the Rockies and then swept the Reds. It's been their winning streak. So maybe they end up really like they can batter the teams that they're a little bit better than, and that does mean for the at the end of the season they're going to have like seventy eight wins rather than like the sixty that people might have expected or something. But so far, there's like they split a series with the Cardinals and lost a series to the Astros, the good teams. Um, it's, it's hard to know what to make of it. I mean, one thing here that I am well, it's quite amazing. I've just noticed Connor Joe is OPS just under 1.1. Yeah, uh, and he's starting, isn't he? Um, I mean, he was a guy that. Uh, Zaidi picked up. He was meant to be uh, the Giants' Max Muncy, basically, wasn't he? So I mean, he has been the Max Muncy just for other teams. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't good for Colorado last year. He was good at twenty twenty-one. But that is something, isn't it? That is quite something. I mean, yeah, that's that's something you, I'm not you're not really expecting to continue. But he is. He is this kind of player that has like, well, like you were talking about the strikeout and walk numbers that the Pirates have. He is kind of the epitome of that. Like through his career, even when he's like not had like great batting average or stuff, he walks and doesn't strike out much. 
Yeah, which tends to be just a good formula, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, right, should we move on to the next team? The Texas Rangers was the other team I kind of picked out. Um, same as, well, the Pirates is the most surprising of these three teams and the most surprising team in baseball, I think, aren't they? Um, the Orioles, like we said, I think we both thought they'd make the postseason or at least be very close. Um, it was more that the consensus seemed to be lower on them. The Rangers, were, like we spoke about, like they just have this enormous range of outcomes after their off-season. It was just like they, they spent a load of money to make it so that just anything could happen with this team. And while their rotation's healthy, kind of as you might expect, they're, they're, really they're not good. getting any length, are they? So, no, not even especially. from Degrom. Like Degrom, well, Degrom's twenty-six innings in five games, but he was pulled from one of them for an injury thing. Um, but I wonder if this might be part of their strategy for trying to keep them healthy. I guess. Yeah. Um, but they. So their offense is like absolutely on fire. Um, they're second in weighted runs created plus behind just the Rays, obviously, and top ten in like quality of contact stuff. And their bullpen has been really good. Which, like, okay, I mean, a bullpen sample over a month. I don't really ever know what like that means. No, because I don't know. Yeah, how that, 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 I think like the bullpen stuff is difficult at the moment to like read that much into. Because it is like, you know, like one one pitcher in the bullpen even, like has a couple of really bad outings, just had a bad start to the season, ruins your bullpen ERA. But what we what you do have at least is the um, the like underlying contact numbers. They are third in quality of contact from all of their pitchers. Which obviously, because their starters aren't pitching deep, is actually quite a lot of their bullpen. And that's when you get, like you said, the reliever stuff. I mean, when a reliever blows up a game early in the yeah. season, it also ruins their ERA forever. And like, but like you said, now, like you can have like they could have five great outings and then give up three on home run, and it says their ERA is like fifty-two or something. It's just like okay, whatever. Um, but the fact that they're actually like this is what five hundred twenty-four balls in play. So you kind of got like a that's a bit more useful um, sample. Yeah. And if their pitching as a staff is that good, as we said, like I kind of thought they would have this upside if their guys were healthy. The, well, the thing is they've got a couple of um, multi-inning guys as well. It seems. I mean, particularly Dane Dunning. But yeah. Dane yeah. Dunning pitched in seven games and pitched seventeen innings. So he is basically he's not doing. Like it's the single inning thing ever. Well, he's a um, he's a former starter, isn't he? Yeah, well, in he fact, is. he was he was he, he was a star prospect, like quite a good prospect, wasn't he? A starter, and he, I mean, he is not striking anybody out there at the moment. Um, he also only gave up his first first earned run in his last outing. Yeah. So I get he is basically, I guess, doing that on ground balls. Like he's coming in doing two innings of. I assume if you talk about quality of contact. Yeah, uh, there was one outing where he gave up 10 fly balls, but he pitched 4.1 innings against the Royals, 
I think that's the game that de Gorm left early. And he had eight ground balls and five strikeouts in 4.1 innings. Yeah. Seems, seems like quite a former. Um, yeah, that was when de Gorm came out after four innings and he pitched 4.1, gave it one hit, walked one. Yeah. This kind of stat line, though, that he's got at the moment is the kind of stat line that you don't see later in the year. Um, no, not cause... just because of how low the RA is. But like even that was like a bit higher, like something that could be realistic for a reliever. But the like five point three Ks, five point three Ks, two point six walks, is like not a good ratio. Well, I mean, you just don't allow. No one allows four point eight hits per nine unless you're like striking out eighteen per nine. That's the thing, yeah. isn't it? I think that's the thing. Yeah. Is that you just don't you can't get that lucky all year, um, and there is yeah that that's the thing is I don't know how I don't know how long they will go with being that like such a tight leash on their starters. Yeah, what well, you mean like later on they might start like stretching them out more. Yeah, yeah. And I guess one thing was that if, if that is like a plan that they're maybe going to switch to later in the year, the fact they're off to a good start before they've started doing that is, uh, well, it's kind of promising, isn't it? Is, is, if you were going to kind of hold the stars back a bit to start the year, you maybe would have expected, you know, or just maybe won't get off to a great start. We'll pull it back later on when we've got DeGrom for incomplete games and stuff. But... Um, if they're already doing well, he to be Dunning was expected the RA is under three, um, which is at least he is. But what he's trying to do is there's actually it's kind of working, I suppose. But I, I, obviously it's not going to hold as it is there. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, at some point you have to have your starters going a bit longer than that, don't you? We don't have to unless you've got like an absolutely absurd bullpen like the Rays have had in the past. Yeah. And lot, you'd need lots and lots of guys who can do multiple innings. But it also seems a really weird use of your assets if you spend all this money on your rotation and then don't let them pitch even two-thirds of a game when they start. Yeah, I, that's something that surely will change later on. It just doesn't make any sense. Like, if you want to use your starters like that, uh, get different starters, spend less money on them. Yeah, there's basically there's not... They're hardly averaging like five innings a game, are they? I mean, Perez yeah. is the one who's been given them a bit more length because he um he's gone five plus in every start, which is actually like yeah, that's but like that's, uh, pitching deep into games. In that's still only twenty one point one in four though, so I guess that means he's not gone. No, he's not gone over five. He's done like five yeah. and five point two and stuff. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah. Because, that, yeah, as you say, that is a that is not what you expect from a team that has just, you know, massively upgraded their rotation. And literally hundreds of millions of dollars on their rotation. Yeah. So, yeah, that will... Yeah, that is something to keep an eye on. Um, I mean, there's so many teams, and, like, there's obviously stories for all of them. That we could talk about here. Um, 
I don't know where we should go next. The thing is, I think for some of these teams, well, maybe more than some, a lot of the ones that are like within touching distance outside of 500 at this point, that's kind of what you're meant to be after like yeah. under 25-ish games, 24 is now a lot of people are on 23. Is just like, well, if you're not there, it's like there's something of interest. And it's that's because, like you said, that's where you get into actually, if you have another bad week or two, or another good week or two, then it does start to make a real difference. A lot of the teams, like, well, yeah, Pittsburgh being 16 and 7 matters. The Cubs being 12 and 9 is like vaguely interesting. Um, but it doesn't, the same way that like the Dodgers and Padres have both started a bit slowly, but it's like, yeah, maybe, maybe that means something. In two weeks, it's if they like are both still at 500 and then if in a month they're both still at 500 yeah. and the Padres have just got Tatis back as well so yeah, yeah. Him. and it would be different if the Diamondbacks had done the race start to the season then you'd be like oh well this is going to be like yeah but they've just had like a decent start but they're, they're by Diamondback standards they're yeah they're pulling away and they're not going to stay there All. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, most of these are still very close, aren't they? The Rays are the only ones that've got like a proper lead. There's a there's a bit of it going on in the Central, to be honest. The Cardinals are already six behind the Brewers. That's like meaningful. Yeah, as the like supposed two best teams in the division. It feels though as well. I always like to go on about who they played against. At this point in the season, your schedule could be so like drastically different. I mean, yeah, they've, yeah, the Cardinals have played the Rockies, so you'd expect them to not be that bad just because of that. But they've also played the Braves, started off Blue Jays, then played the Braves, then the Brewers. I mean, they've played... The Rockies are the only like properly bad team they've played if we now assume Pittsburgh is not a bad team. This is the other hard thing with schedules at this time. It's because we haven't we can't really evaluate the teams. Is we look yeah. at it usually and like I'm going on what we thought of them at the start of the season, and in which case they played the Rockies and the Pirates. But actually playing the Pirates isn't a nice thing anymore this season so far. Is always is that I don't know if is that good? And they played the Diamondbacks, which you would have thought they'd be stronger than them. But the Diamondbacks are actually the top of the NL West. It's weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. You, based on like off-season stuff, that doesn't look too bad. It looks like they played some decent teams, and then some teams that were meant to be really bad, but they, but like the Diamondbacks and Pirates, aren't really bad. Um, it, as were on the Cardinals, actually. And I mean, you know, we always have to talk about the Giants a bit. Like this series, obviously the Giants have won the first game. It's kind of interesting because of them both being, well, they're both off to a slow start. I mean, the Cardinals are probably, the consensus they're expected to be a bit better than the Giants. But Well, I think they were the pick to win their division quite comfortably. Yeah. But that's, that's probably, their division is also probably weaker. Like if they were... 
the West, they'd probably also be like the third pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this when you have these like two teams that have like off to a shaky start or like underperformed, and they're playing each other, there's kind of a lot of pressure on both of them, isn't there? Really, because it's like now this is you know with they're playing. Both of them are playing the other team at a good time, really. Um, and and you I mean, are already like exactly. If you fall a long way behind, you are yes. still behind. So, like for the Cardinals, need to catch up, like make up ground. And they're now playing the Giants when the Giants are in a bad position. So it's like you know, they don't win this series, or they get swept by the Giants or something. Then it's like that's like. Stations almost. Well, oh, something drastic. Happened. Well, I mean, if, look at if you ignore Pittsburgh and assume they're not going to be at the end of the year, like I'll change my point of view on that. If in a month's time they're still top of the division, but they're six behind Milwaukee, and if they were to lose this three-one or get swept, there is like a they're already like three series behind the team they're meant to be competing with the division for. That's bad. That's bad. Whether it's April or whether it's like yeah, July. It's like they still got made, made up at some point. I mean, we've seen it. You see it in um. There's obviously more games in in a baseball season than in, there are in the other sports, but you see it all the time. Like this stuff at the start is if you have a really bad start, and we're not at that territory quite yet with the Cardinals. But you're right. Like we are at that sort of tipping point. We are at like one or two more bad series, and it's like okay, you've had a shocker. Yeah. And, and it is still the whole year you're like, oh, well, since this date, we've actually had the best record in the division. Yeah, but you started 10 games behind, so it doesn't matter. The yeah. denial works. You can't just restart the yeah. season. That's the thing. is you. It's getting to the point where you can have, it's possible to have like a big enough deficit to basically be where you've kind of given yourself a disadvantage the rest also, of the way. The Brewers have got two more against Detroit, uh, and then they've got the Angels and then the Rockies. The Cardinals uh, have got the Dodgers after the Giants. So. Yeah, so it is, it is a bit... It's not quite awful, but like we saw it in the NBA, didn't we? Like The Lakers started 2-10. and 10. And uh, we're not talking about that sort of winning percentage here, partly because it's baseball, and it's quite hard to be 2-10. and 10. And it's double length of season and stuff. But, like, yeah, if they're... If they're 10-17... and 17, that's uh, that would be bad, and then they play the Dodgers. That's that's a pretty difficult position to be in, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Not really, not a good start. I don't know why. Why have they not been good? They're not had people out, have they? Um, no, no, they haven't. And Arenado and Goldschmidt are available. I mean, it's a pitching mainly, or a lack of it, really. Yeah. Three people in the rotation with ERAs of over six point oh five. That's not gonna not gonna get it done. Yeah. Which you kind of could have seen that as a bit of a weakness. Yeah. Like yeah. we said previous years, I think guy. That's also early on. Um, is this, this the the area that like a team's falling short? If it's an area that you thought was a weakness. It does feel more concerning. If it's yeah. like if they'd started this bad and it was just Goldschmidt and Arenado hadn't hit at all, okay, I think that's probably going to change. Yeah. Whereas with this, it's like 
Stephen Matz and Jake Woodford have been pretty bad. It's like, well, mm. yeah, I'm not that surprised by that. I like Stephen Matz as was I've been injured or as bad as me for like a while. I think he had one. 2021, decent... he was okay. Yeah, the DC. Yeah, I was going to say I had a decent year in Toronto, but that's kind of you kind of get into this is just who you've got in your rotation, and that's where it gets a bit more concerning with these teams, isn't it? Yeah. Have you, um, have you got anything else to you want to touch on? Um, no, maybe we should wrap up. Before we, uh... Yeah, yeah, I think, I think we've completed baseball there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we've lots more to talk about. Um, I mean, we've not a very specific plan for this podcast. Because that's part of it. Um, oh, it's just like what's sort of... Uh... What's what's happened, basically? Really? What's happened? We're just saying what's happened. Early season stuff. Yeah. And yeah, we'll do another one in a couple of weeks or so. So look out for that. All right. Bye then. Bye. bye.